You are listening to a message that was given at Living Word Chapel, Oracle, Arizona. It is our hope and prayer that God will use this message to speak to you and enrich your life. For more information, visit lwcoracle.org. For being with us and... um, there's four questions that I asked first service, and we're, we're going to kind of go through the same thing. Uh, the first thing is, tell us a little bit about your life, and so we can get to know, you know, Alex Dietz. I, I was raised in the tri-community most of my life. <clears throat> I married a girl from Oracle, and we had, uh, we had four children. And I worked in the mine here in Seminole, just like a lot of us have. And... Uh, <clears throat> So I thought to, to myself, you know, this is this is the perfect life. This is what I this is what I need. Uh, at the time, I was uh, having some problems, you know, with uh, drugs, with alcohol, and, and I thought that through being married and having a family, that you know, that everything would be okay. The problem was that it continued for the next ten years, and um, it got worse. And I felt that. If I wasn't already uh, uh, an alcoholic, I was very close to it. My life uh, surrounded around the party scene, <clears throat> the bars, the people that really, really didn't care about me, you know. And I knew that I needed to change my life. I knew that I, uh, that, that God wanted to get me close to Him, but I just never felt like I knew how to do it. I felt I needed to be a clean. I needed to get rid of all of this stuff before I could come before God. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's kind of where I was at, you know, at, at the beginning uh, of my life. That's great, Alex. Tell us how you came to faith. How did that, how did that come about? Well, through all these uh, circumstances that I was going through, uh, our family seemed to, to be kind of going their own way, you know. I knew that our family was, was falling apart because of me. And so, you know, I was searching for God. Uh, I, I was raised, you know, to go to church. I, I knew about God. I knew, <clears throat> you know, some things about God. But I didn't know God personally. And this, there was this one uh, co-worker that would always talk to me about God. He would always invite me to his church. And, and I'm like, I just, you know, I just didn't really want to. At the time, I was just going through this, and it's one of those things that, you know, you hate and you love, you know, at the same time. I'm sure you guys know things that you hate, sometimes you just can't get rid of them. So one day, we were down maybe 4,000 feet underground, and we were at a level where there was nobody there, just a small level. And he started talking to me about God, and he he said, "Uh, Alex, do you know, do you know Jesus? And I said, yeah, I know Jesus. And he said, well, what can you tell me about him? I said, well, I said he was born of a virgin, of a virgin. Yeah, you're right. Um, he did a lot of miracles, healed a lot of people. I said, he died on the cross, you know. And I said, one day he's going to come back for us. And he said, yeah, you're right. I said, what else can you tell me about him? And I'm like, uh, <laughs> what more is there? But, you know, he was, he was asking me about my relationship with God. I had no relationship with God. 
He said, would you like a relationship with me? I said, sure, you know, of course. So he said, God is here. And I said, I said, he's here? 4,000 feet underground? And he said, yes, yes, God is over here. He said, you know, we can just say a real simple prayer. And if you open up your heart, God will come. <clears throat> he said, would you like to do that? And I said, sure. So we did that, you know, and I didn't feel, you know, fireworks and, or anything. I just said, okay. But one of the things that I noticed was that my life began to change. It began to go the opposite way. I still had some struggles, but I knew that I was headed for God, you know. Awesome. Now, you came to Christ in a, in a pretty amazing way, you know, underground. And then you faced some adversity after you came to the Lord. Can you kind of tell us that story right there? I had been a Christian maybe seven years, <clears throat> and I was very invo involved with the church. I was in the Catholic church, and we were doing Bible study, and, and actually we were doing a lot of ministry with this church. Uh, they always invited us, never were critical of us, but always invited us to go to the prison ministry to just just different functions and I mean I was so busy doing the, the work of the Lord I was six seven days a week I would come from work I'd get ready and I was off <clears throat> and I thought well this is good right I mean it's it's God God's work but I didn't realize that I was separating my family I was leaving my family behind and I don't believe that's what God wanted me to do so anyway about six uh, there was a time when there was about six months in my life where I just really felt the urge to pray. And I would get up in the morning and, and you know, an hour before I had to go to work, <clears throat> and I'd get on my knees and I would pray. And I would pray. And I would pray. And I'd go, I'm going to work, I'd pray. And then at work, I would pray. You know? <clears throat> my wife makes fun of me because sometimes she says that I would be over there asleep instead of... <laughs> I'd be praying, and sometimes I'd fall asleep, you know? It's already in the morning. But I did this for like six months. I didn't know what, why, or I just felt a really need to pray. Well, in 1987, I went to work. I prayed that morning. I went to work. And there was a, a, a besides, I'm an electrician. And um, there was a job that was started by, by the, the crew before us. So... Our job was to finish the job, which was to re reroute some, some power cable that was feeding underground. So we went through the whole system, made sure that everything was shut off, locked out, and safe. So we got to the bottom. We went ahead and we checked the cable to make sure that everything was okay. And it, there was something wrong. This, it didn't read right. So we decided that maybe there would be these two boxes, maybe about the size of the back door right there, that were side by side. One was on and the other one was off. So we decided we need to get in that box and disconnect some wires. And that was to the meter, the meter that actually shows the voltage. <clears throat> so I got under there and I started to disconnect these wires. And that's all I remember. I was told that uh, I came in contact with power that was still in that box. It was feeding from the other box to the back side and we couldn't tell. Because the meters were off, everything was off, it was open, the switch was open. Everything looked like it was safe. So what happened is that I got electrocuted with 2,400 volts. There had to have been 
at least three or four hundred amps. That's kind of like the, the force or the power of the electricity. And for what I understand, that may, uh, less than one volt, less than one amp will kill you, okay? So it doesn't take a lot. So at that point, they said that a ball of fire came out of that box. And all the lights turned off. Uh, it was feeding a lot of the, the, that level. You know, so there was a lot of, a lot of uh, you know, voltage and amps. <coughs> so I instantly died. My heart stopped, stopped running. Uh, I had a supervisor there and a, and a lead man. They both went into shock. They were just helpless. There happened to be a, a, a miner's boss that was in that area. <coughs> and I don't see it as a coincidence. Because if he would have been on the other side of the mine, I wouldn't be here sitting today. <laughs> talking to you. He was there at the perfect time. He came and he got my heart uh, uh, going, my, my breathing. They took me out of the mine. They took me to Seminole uh, Hospital. They packed me in ice because I had all my burns, I was beginning to swell. And they drove me to, to, to um, St. Mary. And I'm thinking, well, how come they didn't airbag me? I guess, I guess they thought I wasn't going to make it anyway, so why waste the fuel? I don't know. <laughs> But you know what, you really, they drove me 55 miles an hour to the hospital. So anyway, I got over there and they called my wife. They told her that, <clears throat> that I had, you know, to get to the hospital or whatever. When she got there, they told her that I had had a fatal accident. I was still alive, but to prepare because I was not going to make it. Um, you know, nobody thought I was going to make it. I was living hour to hour <clears throat> for the first few weeks. Every hour, they're like, okay, he made it, he made it, he made it. And um, during that time, I was just really out of it. You know, uh, I didn't know what was going on. <clears throat> going through surgeries. Every other day, I was going through surgery and surgery and surgery. And so after a few weeks, they thought, oh, I guess this guy's going to make it. You know, he's going to be okay. So, you know, I... I found myself in the hospital um, doing a lot of pain. And, and isn't that the case, you know, when we're down, I mean, when we're down in the valley, I mean, we're, we're, we're seeking God, you know, we're, we're praying, Lord, you know, what's going on? And God would always tell me, <clears throat> Alex, you know, I love you. And this is only for a season. It will come and it will I would feel God's love so much that um, sometimes I'd begin to cry. And the nurses would tell me, it's okay, Alex. You know, you're going to be alive. You can cry. And I would tell them, I'm not crying because it happened to me. I'm crying because I know it's true. And so, so close to God, and God was there all the time, and <clears throat> I determined that from what God was telling me, that everything was going to be okay, and that I was going to make it, and that my attitude towards what happened to me <clears throat> was what was going to take me down or take me, you know, lift me up, and I decided, you know, for myself, but especially for my family, I'm not going to let that happen to me. 
because it will take care of that. So, um, so you know, I, I was able to witness to the merchants. I was able to witness to other um, people that were coming in. <coughs> I would come in to to get, uh, um, you know, come in every day to to get washed and all that. And I would see this board up there, you know, with all these names of all these people that were going to come in, and and the Lord says, "You see that list?" And I said, "Yes." He said, that's your purpose. Pray for these people. And I didn't know who they were. And sometimes people would come in and they would start talking to me. I would be praying, right? And they would start talking to me. Well, oh, you know, I'm going to clean and this and that. And I would stop and listen to them. And, and, and then they would say, well, what happened to you? And I said, well, I got electrocuted with 2,400 volts. And they're like, what? He says, I don't have anything to complain about. I said, you know what? God loves you. And he was angry. He said, well, how can you be, how can you smile? I said, because of God. I know that everything's going to be fine. You know, God is in control. And um, everything's going to be fine. You know, so I was able to witness to, to people while they were there. So that was pretty cool. That's pretty awesome. And there's so many things that you shared first service that I know God's directing second service. That, um, but one of the things that I want to get into is, through this, this adversity, uh, God enlarged your, your platform. And uh, even in the way where you went back to work and you started doing things that, um, that you didn't usually do because God was pre preparing you for where he was going to take you. Is that right? Yeah, I, I was off work for 10 years. Um, I went through many, many, many surgeries. You know, there's a lot of good things that happened out of this. <clears throat> People say, Lord, give me faith. Lord, do this. Lord, do that. But you know what? It's down in the valleys that you learn all this stuff. It's not up here when you're up here riding high. It's down here, you know. So be careful what you ask for, you know. But um, one of the things that they told me was that I would never be able to sing or play my guitar. <clears throat> because I had burned my vocal cords. I had burned my my muscles and I wouldn't be able to even be able to hold the guitar but you know through God's grace you know I, I'm not the best singer and I'm not the best guitar player there's people that are much better than I am but you know I was able to still sing and, um, and play my guitar Amen. but one of the things that I learned from this about worship that God showed me was that you know it's not with your guitar it's not with your voice that you worship God. It's with, your, it's with your heart. You know, it doesn't matter. God hears your heart. You can be the best player. You can be the best singer and not even have your heart right with God. And what good is it? Right? So God sees the heart. God is after our heart. And so, um, so you know, I thank God for that, for what happened. Um, when I went back to work, I felt like, like I was being set up. You know, I went to this salvage yard. They put, first of all, I wanted to find another job, you know. But finally, after trying and trying and trying, God says, you still don't trust me, do you? And I, after that, I said, Lord, let your will be done. And so I went back to work. The only job that was open was being an electrician. 
I said, okay, Lord, I'll go back and I'll be an electrician. I went to, the first place they put me was in the salvage yard. This is the garbage place where they throw all the parts that they bring from underground and all that. <clears throat> and I'm looking at all this garbage, right? And I'm saying, okay, Lord. I said, after everything I went through, I said, this is what I get, a pile of garbage, <laughs> you know? I mean, I'm sitting there and I'm praying. I'm saying, Lord. And then, and then I was with a guy, a, a, a person was over me that hated me. And I said, Lord, and then you put me with somebody that hates me, Lord. I said, I mean, I was just so, I was down, you know. And the Lord said, pray for this man. And I said, Lord, he hates me, you know. And he said, no, pray for this man. And so every day going to work, Lord, bless his, Lord, bless his family, bless his finances, bless him physically, Lord. I mean, I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. It was three months went by and I said, Lord. How much longer do you want me to pray for this man? <laughs> he said, keep praying. So one day he comes up to me and he apologizes. He says, Alex, I know I've treated you bad. I, you know, I've done this, this, this. Can you forgive me? And I'm like, uh, yeah, yeah, I forgive you. So the Lord showed me uh, the power of prayer. You know, the power of prayer can change situations. Yeah. It can change um, people's hearts and I, I believe that prayer is one of our strongest tools that God has given us and we use it so little yeah. you know it's powerful you know if you got a son you got a daughter or a husband or wife or anybody that you want God to change their heart pray it's it's the most powerful tool we have is prayer you know uh, the Lord has blessed me you know, he, he took me through these jobs, right? <clears throat> and I cried through the whole thing. I said, Lord, I'm happy with this job. I like this job, Lord. And, you know, getting parts and stuff like that and putting it in my shelves. I, I like this job. He started moving me around, and I would go home, and I would tell my wife, I, I, I don't even know if God's there. I, does he really care for me? I mean, I like this job. I don't want to move. I'm happy. So God's moving me around and all this stuff. Well, the mind closes, right? And I look back now and I'm thinking, what a fool I am. I said, God was in every little part of that, you know, decisions. I said, if I wouldn't have gone through all of those things, I would have not been able to be prepared for that mind closing. Because see, when I went back after 10 years, I was, I knew less than a helper. I had lost all my skills. And God prepared me. He took me through the old section. Remember all those parts? Remember all those parts? Look at the new ones now. Look at this. Look at that. Now you gotta, you're going to go troubleshooting. I said, but Lord, I, I haven't troubleshooted for 10 years. You know, I'm going to fail. And God prepared me. So when the mine closed, he got me this job at uh, Biosphere. And then from there, Sarco. And, and I learned some things along the way. So now my prayer is, Lord, it's not what I want. Let your will be done. Because you know what? You know better. I'm going to shortchange myself. Mm. God will never shortchange you. Mm. God has a plan for you. He sees over that hill. He sees around that curve. We don't. And that's the best prayer that you can have is, Lord, let your will be done. Mm. Not mine. Because Amen. you know what's best for me. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Alex. There's a lot more that, that he could share. But I got, a, I got some message I want to preach too, brother. 
So we're talking about overcoming adversity, right? And I don't think there's anything better than a story like that, that that talks about the reality that we can overcome with God. And if you remember, um, the through this series, um, we have found that adversity comes, and I, and I put this down, our climb to the mountaintop always begins in the valley. Amen? Yeah, unless you have a helicopter, you know. Then you can be placed on the mountaintop, but most of us don't. Most of us have to climb through the valley, and and every step as we're going through it, we find out that God is with us uh, every step of the way. And so I read this on uh, this tweet this week, and I thought it was a wonderful tweet. It said, bad things happen every day to everyone. The difference is how people are going to deal with it. Bad things happen. To all people every day. But how are we going to deal with that? And, and Alex, when he, when he mentioned about attitude and how God was shaping not only the circumstances, but he was shaping his attitude. He was shaping his life through that. And so let's think about the building blocks. Because I really want for everyone to grab a hold of how important adversity is and how we face adversity with God. The first building block is that God is faithful. You, you have to agree with that. You have to come to terms with that. Because if you don't, you're going to blame everyone else. You're going to blame yourself and you're going to blame God. But the fact is God is faithful. And because he's faithful, we can apply our faith in him. We can trust God no matter what we're going through, the good times, the bad times, we can trust God. And then the third building block is that because God is faithful and because we place our faith in Him, we trust, but we also obey. We have to have obedience. And when you, when you learn obedience, because Jesus did, Jesus learned obedience, how? Through the things He suffered. And you begin to grab a hold of that. And then last week we learned that the next building block is we get established. We get grounded in the things of God. We get rooted in the things of God. And you know when you're rooted in, in Christ because when storms come or when difficulties come, you will base every decision with God and on God. Amen? And if you don't, you're going to be all over the place. So God is continually teaching us those very important facts. And then the last thing that I'm going to talk about today is God wants to expand us. He wants to expand our faith. He wants to expand our, our, our uh, platform. And I, we'll call it enlarge. But that's kind of hard to say because we're, we're going to start the Daniel plan. And, and you're saying, well, Pastor, we're not supposed to be enlarged. We're supposed to be. But we are. God wants to enlarge us in the things that we go through. And so I want for us to go to Romans chapter 8 because it's pivotal in understanding some very important things. The first thing that I want for us to grab a hold of, I got four today, and I don't have a lot of time, but the first thing that I want for us to, to, to kind of grasp is with God, adversity leads us to an enlarged strength. He wants to give us strength that we don't have on our own. And the way that we're going to get this strength is not, is not by our own ability. It's not by our own effort and by us working out on our own. The way that we will get this strength is through the power of the Holy Spirit. In fact, Romans 8 starts out like this. He says, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. 
For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed with words. And the Father who knows our all, all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. Now notice this. Look at how amazing. Alex didn't know I was going to bring this this passage up but Alex was talking about his own experience and through the most difficult times God led him to pray six months before this tragedy happened God not you because most of us we don't just get up saying I want to pray in fact we don't spend a lot of time in prayer but there's something that happens when God is at work and you begin to pray. Think about your worst circumstance. Think about your worst situation. The most difficult thing you're going through. Do you think that God wants us to pray about it? Yeah. Why? Because when you do, you are going to be strengthened. You are going to be able to endure whatever you're going through. Ten years. Could, would I be safe to say 50 surgeries? Would I be safe to say 30 surgeries? Surgery after surgery. One surgery to me is too much. But you're going into 20, 30 surgeries. God was preparing you and he was going to help you endure. And how was that going to happen? Through prayer. And it didn't stop there. Think about just this, this man of God right here. When he went into the most challenging times, maybe a supervisor that did not maybe uh, like you the way that we think that people should like us. What did God call us to do? What did God call you to do? To pray. And he said the Holy Spirit will come alongside and help you in your weakest time. Why? Because he wants to expand you. He wants to expand the possibilities. He wants to conform Christ in you so you can be more like Christ. The most important thing, I hope I don't fall. The most important thing that God wants to do is he wants, us to, he wants to make us more like Christ. I love the way that the psalmist put it. He said, God is our refuge and he's our strength. And he's always ready to help in times of trouble. Isn't that awesome? So God is always, always desiring to help us in the times of trouble. We just have to allow for him to be there in those most difficult times. And he'll strengthen us. He'll give us the ability to, to make it through that. Now the second thing that I want to talk about with God. Adversity leads to an enlarged purpose. You see. Everything that happens in life has a purpose. Everything. Everything that we're going through has a purpose. And God's purposes are perfect. Perfect. I love the way Rick Warren put it. Rick Warren said, without God, life has no purpose. And without purpose, life has no meaning. And without meaning, life has no significance or hope. You take God out of the equation, what, why are we here? What is life all about? You, there's no purpose. You add God into the equation, you know there's a purpose. The purpose is God wants to restore our relationship. The, the purpose is that we're all broken. And we need to be fixed. And we can't fix ourselves. And other people can't fix us. The only one that can is 
Christ. And he came to establish this, this relationship and to, and to heal our brokenness. And, and in that brokenness, we become, we become what we can never be. Now, when you're going through all these things, these weak times, the Bible says something that's very important in that context. In Romans 8, it says that we know that God will cause everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Amen? God doesn't say that everything is good. God says that he'll turn everything into good. No matter how bad it is, he will turn it into good for those who love him and then who are called according to his purpose. So every situation, every relationship, everything we're going through, there's a destination. And if you have God on your side, that destination is that God is going to be glorified in our lives. No matter what we're facing, no matter what we're going through, God is going to get the glory. And He's going to turn bad things into good. And He's going to enlarge, He's going to expand all the potential that we have. Outside of God, we have human potential. With God, we have God potential. Are you with me? How many of you embrace the God potential in your life? How many of you embrace everything that God wants to do for you? But that comes with some adversity. That comes with some trouble. But it's beautiful when you think about it in the light that God is going to be with you every step of the way. And you're going to go through trouble whether you serve God or not. Amen? But with God, He's with you. And He gives you a sense of peace. He gives you a sense of strength. He gives you a sense of purpose. So that you can do the things that you can't do outside of him. See, God's greatest purpose is to conform us to the image of Jesus. His whole purpose. When Paul Tafoya wakes up in the morning, God says, I want to make Paul more like Jesus. When Randy Bowers wakes up every morning, God says, I, I desire to make Randy more like Christ. When Alex Dietz Jr. wakes up every morning, God says, I desire to make you more like Jesus. That's his whole plan. And, and how do you know that, Pastor? Well, let's continue to read that, that, that passage. It says, for those God foreknew, in other words, God knows everything about us. He knew us in the womb. He said, for those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And that says Jesus has gone through what we're going through, and he, he wants for us to become who he is. He wants to, for us to become more like him. And those he predestined, he also called and also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. Now, no, yes, notice the progression there. Notice the building blocks right there. He calls you. He justifies you if you answer the call. In other words, he washes you clean from all of your iniquity, from all your failures. And then after that, he sanctifies you. He begins to work on us, but he also glorifies us because he wants to give you a bigger platform. And some of you, can I tell you right now, some of us sometimes, we don't understand how great God wants to work in our lives how he wants to make his name great in our lives and through our lives and so he he wants for us to grab a hold of his purpose amen he wants for you to grab a hold of everything 
that you can do with him. Now, Peter, put, Peter helps us out here. Peter says this, um, in, 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 conforming to, to, uh, in conforming us to his son, Peter says, So then, since Christ suffered physical pain, you must arm yourself with the same attitude that he had and be ready to suffer too. Uh-oh. So that tells us that in this, in this life there may be some difficulties. For if you have suffered physically for Christ, you have finished with sin. In other words, that sanctification process of your suffering, you understand that, that because Christ suffered, you are going to go through some of the same things he did, but he is going to be with you every step of the way. You won't spend the rest of your lives chasing your own desires, but you will be anxious to do the will of God. It goes right along with what Alex was saying. Alex came to, through all this adversity, he came to the place where he said, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. Now check this out. This is how amazing God and God's word is. You have had enough in the past of the evil things that godless people enjoy. He, Alex was talking about, this is the way I was living. I came to the place in my life that God had something more. And I walked away from that old life. Amen? Their immorality and lust, their feasting, their drunkenness, and the wild parties, and their terrible worship of idols. Because anytime you're worshiping anything other than God, you will do the things uh, like this. Uh, immorality, uh, wild parties, things like that. Amen? Amen? So in our suffering, it is never in vain, just like Jesus' suffering was never in vain. He conquered death, and through him we conquered the things that are set against us. And there are a lot of things in this world that are set against the people of God. Now check this out. God will enlarge your faith and shape your character through adver adversity because Peter goes on to write, same context, of course your former friends are surprised when you no longer plunge into the flood of wild and destructive things that they do. So they slander you, but remember that they will have to face God who stands ready to judge everyone, both the living and the dead. Now, the amazing thing about this passage, and I'm not bashing anyone because be most of us came out of that life. Amen? We came out of that life by the grace of God. He embraced us. He loves on us. We're no better than anyone else except that we accepted the atonement, the, 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 the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. But in that, when we start walking with the Lord, Sometimes people will slander us. Sometimes people will talk about us. And that becomes adversity. That becomes difficult for us. But God says, don't worry. Don't fret. I am with you. And there's a greater purpose than what you see in your suffering. And that greater purpose is that I am going to glorify myself through your life. Are you with me? God wants to glorify himself through our lives. And he wants to expand that. Now, the, the third thing that, that I see is an enlarged confidence. You will be more confident as you face adversity with God at your side. Romans 8, again, helps us here. It goes on, it says, What then shall we say in response to all these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, son, but gave him up for us all, 
how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? When we face challenges, we find that God is going to be faithful. With every trial comes the fact that God is working in Christ to justify us and to sanctify us. With every storm comes the proof that God is able to silence the storm in his time. With all adversity is the fact that God is a strong tower. And every time... That God comes through and he always will because God is clutch. God is faithful. Your confidence will be built in him. Amen? And a confident person is a person full of trust. An inconfident person, someone that is not confident, is inferior and you will feel like if you can't do it, like if you can't make it. But Christ builds confidence so that when we face whatever storm, we say, if God is for us, who in the world or what in the world can be against us? No one and nothing because God is faithful. I love the way that uh, uh, Ben Carson put it. Ben Carson, the medical doctor, wonderful man of God. He said, the most important thing for me is having a relationship with God. To know that the owner, the creator of the universe, loves you, sent his son to die for your sins, that's very empowering. Knowing him and knowing that he loves me gives me encouragement and confidence to move forward. Can I tell you something? That God wants to build confidence in every one of us so that no matter what we're facing, we can trust that he's going to get us through. And the greater the adversity, the greater my God is. The bigger the problem, the bigger my God is. You know what? Here's the thing, beloved. God wants to move us past small problems. He can take care of those. And he will take care of those. But when you've got, big, you've got some big situations, can I tell you, God is able to handle those as well. And he wants for you to have confidence in that. Um, the psalmist put it like this. Though a mighty army surrounds me, my heart will not be afraid even if I am attacked, I will remain confident. And that's exactly what Jesus wants to do with us. And the last thing I want to talk about as we bring this to a close, praise team, you can come up at this time. The, 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 we, we need to grab a hold that, that these enlargements are so important. The last thing is an enlarged love. God wants to, he wants to expand our love. He wants to, for us to grab a hold of his love. For God so loved the world. I love the way that he said so. So loved the world that he gave Jesus for us. And when you grab a hold of his love, you begin to find out what love is. Amen? And you reciprocate that love to other people. You reciprocate that agape to people. And you receive it for yourself. Last scripture. Can anything... Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or we're hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? No. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us and I am convinced that nothing 
can ever separate us from that love. I mean, there's nothing greater than that. So as we bring this series to a close, and I, my prayer is that you're, you're going to look at adversity a lot differently. You're going to look at adversity with the, the reality that God is faithful. You're going to look at adversity like I'm going to place my faith in Jesus. No matter what I'm going through. You're going to face this adversity with because I can have faith, I'm going to obey. I am going to trust and obey and let God direct me. Let his word be my guide instead of what people are saying. And then I'll be grounded. I will be established in my faith. And because of that, beloved, he will enlarge your platform. He will enlarge all the things that he wants to do through you for his glory. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you. We thank you for being God. I don't even think sometimes we grasp that name. The great I am, the one who's over everything, that has established everything, like Ben Carson said, we can have confidence that the creator of the universe desires to have a relationship with us. And because of that, Lord God, we embrace everything you have for us. I pray for every person in this second service, Lord. I pray that each one will embrace what you have for them, Lord. Whatever adversity we face, may we understand that you're bigger than the problem. You're bigger than whatever circumstance we, we are facing. And at the end, we will say, God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. So we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. This has been a message from Living Word Chapel. We hope that you've been blessed by it. Make sure you check out lwcoracle.org for more information.